Jesus is the only way to have peace with God. Though there is only one way to God, everyone's journey to Jesus is unique and magnificent. Here is a story of one's journey to Christ, now on Redemption Report. Welcome to the Redemption Report podcast. This week I have a friend that I met right after moving to Kentucky about eight years ago, and uh, we haven't kept in touch near as much as we should have, but I'm excited to have my friend Aaron Dobbins with me. Thank you for, for joining us. It's a pleasure to be here. Thank you for inviting me. Yeah, so we used to go to church together, and we were part of a men's group that um, was like a two-year men's group, and during that time we each got to share our story of coming to Christ, and um, when I uh, started coming up with the idea of putting together a podcast like this, your story came to mind because I, I still remember it and still, you know, without using your identity, have told other people about how you came to Christ and just how uh, how powerful it was to me when I heard the story. And so uh, I know that's probably setting you up to uh, like, man, I better wow everybody. <laughs> I, I can live up to that expectation. <laughs> but no, I'm, I'm excited that you can, can join us. And uh, can you just tell us who is Aaron Dobbins today? Kind of a who are you? How'd you get to where you're at today? Yeah, sure. Thanks for that introduction. And I, I really enjoyed that men's group we were in and getting to know you through that. Uh, so I'm um, uh, I'm an engineer in the automotive industry. Um, I've, uh, got, I've uh, got a wife and three kids, uh, my wife Becky, and we've been married for 18 years now. And we've got three kids, uh, ages 13 and 11 and 6. And um, um, I've lived in Kentucky since uh, 98, so for over, I don't know how long that is, 25 years or something. And then prior to that, I've, I lived in Minnesota growing up and um, North Carolina, and I was born in Alabama, so I've been all over. Um, I grew up in a household of five kids. I was the oldest. Um, my uh, parents, uh, they homeschooled us throughout, so I, was, I never went to school. I was always homeschooled. We have that in common. Yeah. yeah. Homeschool all the way through. Yeah. yeah. Got a, homeschoolers got to stick together. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> um, grew up in church from the time I was born, and uh, my dad was a scientist. He wrote a homeschool science curriculum, and we traveled around the country marketing that. Um, and I, I guess that's, uh, that's my background in a nutshell. Cool, cool. So um, having grown up, like you said, in a home that taught you about God and the Bible and Jesus, you heard the name of Jesus from a very young age, it sounds like. Oh, yeah. Uh, when would you fir- say that you first uh, kind of heard the gospel presented or kind of understood what what that was all about? Mm. Well, it was a process for me. Um, I I grew up in church, going to church um, three times a week, Sunday morning, Sunday evening, and Wednesday night, and in Sunday school on Sunday mornings and on Wednesday nights. And I had to prepare Bible lessons for Sunday morning and Wednesday evening. So I was pretty ingrained in the Word. How old were you when you had to prepare those lessons? Oh, from probably ages like seven up until... 15, 16 years You're old. You're teaching lessons from a... Well, not or... teaching them, but in a, in a workbook, I'd have to fill in the blanks, you know, read okay. the text and fill in the blanks and, and really understand the content because we'd get, we'd get quizzed on it in class. <laughs> gotcha. So, um, but uh, the, as far as the gospel, um, you know, I, I wouldn't have known that how... I wouldn't have known exactly um, what the gospel was probably 
but I would I would have thought I did and and um I would say that it, um you know I knew who who God was I knew who Jesus was I knew what what um my my, my religion taught mm-hmm. um but there was some really key pieces and ingredients that were missing in my concept of the gospel up until I was an adult yeah so I I had a a lot of knowledge of the Bible and um, I was baptized when I was 12 or 14 years old something like that mm-hmm. um, and I I had a heart to try to please God I believe um, but when I got to adulthood was was the first time that I feel like I really heard and latched on to what I would now consider to be the gospel. Gotcha. Okay. So just because you grew up in church and around the Bible and stuff, that that clear concept of Christ being the only thing that gives you peace with God and relationship through, you know, his sacrifice, that wasn't clearly articulated or it wasn't something that you understood until later on in life. Right. So for me, um, we, our acceptance before God was dependent on how obedient we were. Gotcha. And so it it was um, it was all about trying your hardest. And and I don't have anything against trying your hardest, but <laughs> but if if that's what I go and stand before God one day, hoping is going to gain me His final acceptance, um, that I think I'm going to be disappointed. And so, coming to realize that that it's um, Christ alone that He He um, substituted Himself for me, that was a concept that I had no idea about uh, growing up until I was about twenty six years old. Yeah, and and when I realized that uh, that changed everything for me. I mean, it it was like scales fell from my eyes, and I realized finally. Um, that I had a secure hope that was outside of me and mm-hmm. I never had that before. So it was, it was shocking. It was life changing and it, it just changed everything about how I viewed myself and God and the world around me. And I had a, a hope and a peace that I'd never had before because I was always so anxious that it all depends on me doing it right. Mm-hmm. And to realize that I have this secure hope outside of me was life changing. Yeah. Yeah. It, it certainly, Certainly seems that way, like, and from knowing your story, like, I know you're, it, it's like your paradigm was rocked, you know, as far as what you believed. And, and so I want to just ask you a little bit about that. Growing up, you know, like you said, in church multiple times a week with, yeah. you know, parents that were really intentional about sharing, you know, what they believed with you. What would you say, um, can, can you tell us a little bit about kind of what, you did believe because you said you got baptized, yeah. you know, right there, 12 to 14 years old. And what, what was that conversion like, or what was that? What, what, what did you feel that you were believing at that, that later on you realized was not accurate? So I grew up in a, in a, what I now call a pseudo Christian sect. Okay. Um, it, it's, it's called, you can find them online. They're non-institutional churches of Christ. And um, they they make up about ten percent of Church of Christ churches, and they withhold fellowship from the other ninety percent of Churches of Christ. 
So it's a fairly exclusive group. There's about as many of them as there are Old Order Amish uh, people oh, wow. in the okay. world. <laughs> and so there's a, there's a, a, it's a small community. Um, they, they all, for the most part, their kids go to the same college um, in Florida. And um, there's only a hand, there's only so many last names in the group. So okay. it's kind of neat because once you're in it, you, you, you kind of know everybody. It's a small community. If you travel, you, you go to these churches and you meet people who know your parents and your knew your grandparents and, and things okay. like that. So when you're in, you're in because it's so, it's such a tight knit group. And, and so what, what would you say real quick? Yeah. Like what, what makes them exclusive or why do they not associate with the other 90%. Well, the the main um, things that, that separate them is um, there's no instrumental music. Okay. Uh, they take the Lord's Supper every Sunday. Uh, it's a sin not to. Um, they don't have uh, church funding going toward uh, specific things like orphanages, um, uh, any kind of um, physical uh, ministry. So if someone's in need, the funding would come from individuals. Uh, okay. And, and they don't give their money to institute any kind of institutes, so colleges, uh, missions, organizations, none of that stuff. Uh, people can individually fund those things, but the church funds never okay. go to that. So that, that kind of distinguishes them from other churches of Christ. Okay. So primarily just kind of how they go about it. It's Is there a yeah. huge, is it primarily like the music and just how they do church, or is there... A huge doctrinal difference between like that prevents them from fellowshipping um there there's small doctrinal differences mostly it has to do with how they spend money that would differentiate them from other okay. churches of christ you get into some churches of christ they will have instrumental music but that i mean but most of them still even the even the ones we didn't fellowship with also didn't have instrumental okay. music so that that was a um just one of many yeah things that separated them I don't mean to get too deep into the weeds. And <laughs> no, that's, make it, but that's I, fine. I find it interesting just, you know, sometimes if you've been involved in church and things for a while, you, you can throw something out there like, oh, we don't fellowship because I grew up in a independent fundamental Baptist church. And so we were on our own and we wouldn't fellowship with other, you know, a Southern Baptist church or, mm -hmm. uh, you know, any other sect of Baptist church. So in a similar way, it was kind of like you're kind of on your own or, you know, you s circulate with a a few more colleges than just one, but you know, p you know, people from certain areas. And so I know for a lot of people, they may not realize like well, church of Christ, church of Christ, or, you know, it's Christian or, you know, like everyone who believes the Bible believes the same thing. Right. And so right. it's just interesting to kind of flush that out just a little bit to understand. Cause that, that plays a big part in how you're raised and yeah, everything. Yeah. Um, there's, uh, yeah, a lot of people don't, don't know, exactly what the churches of Christ are. And even if they have contact with one and they know something about it, they don't they don't know that there are exclusive sects within the churches of Christ that that are that stay exclusive and and don't um, extend fellowship outside their small group. Yeah, I had I had very little exposure growing up in Colorado. Um yeah. and you know part of it was just where my family went to church, but also, you know, just I don't think there's near as many, but moving out here to Kentucky, there's a lot of Church of Christ, and then you have the Christian Church, which is a break off right. of that. So yeah. there's just just a a lot more that you know I just was never aware of. Yeah, and and I was actually a sixth generation. Um, so my my dad's great 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 something granddad uh, left the Baptist churches in South Carolina, moved to North Alabama, and planted churches all over North Alabama. 
um, he, his biography is on the internet and you can find him, but, um, but that's, that's my heritage. And, okay. and on my mom's side, I'm third or fourth, third, maybe generation, third or fourth. And, um, so it's deeply ingrained in me. And like I said, when you're in your wind, so also when you're, when you leave, it's also, um, it's uh, it can be painful to, to make that break too. Right. So, yeah, to have so many people that you know, like you said, have such a tightly knit group, it's yes. hard to just remove yes. from that. Yeah, absolutely. So that's been that's been a challenge. But, so, like you were you were saying earlier, you grew up, you know, very tightly knit group. Um, how how did you, you know, like if you don't mind sharing the kind of what you believed at twelve to fourteen that you felt was worthy of getting baptized, or what what did that mean to you in your life? Yeah. Um, I went through a terrible stage when I was around, uh, 10 to 14 years old. Um, I, 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 I've always struggled with some level of anxiety and, and then you add on this, and, and also a level of perfectionism with my personality. And then you add onto that, a, a religious, um, system that, that teaches that our acceptance with God is based on our doing the right thing. Uh, to the greatest extent that we can muster. Mm. And it led me to um, a, just a ton of anxiety about, going, frankly, about going to hell. And so from ages 10 through 12, and really till about probably my mid-teens, I just was just crippled. Like, I, I couldn't hardly think about anything else. Wow. And I never really told anybody this. I didn't really have a... Um, I don't, for whatever reason, I didn't really open up to anybody about it. So I just lived with it. And, uh, when I was 12, I had a dream that my whole family was going to heaven and I was going to hell. So I told my parents, um, I wait, I still waited. I don't know why, but within weeks or months of that, I told my parents about that and that I was afraid and I wanted to be baptized so I could go to heaven. And, um, so I, I, uh, actually wasn't baptized yet because um i don't remember why but we waited um a few months or years after that so that was when i was 12 i had that dream and then when i was probably 14 i think is when i actually was baptized okay um i don't remember all the details why um but i was baptized because um i i wanted to obey god i wanted my sins to be washed away um, I, I wanted to be in a right relationship with him and I wanted to go to heaven when I died. And, um, I don't have any re regrets about being baptized. I, um, I'm thankful that I was, and I'm thankful that I had a heart to, to want to please God. And I still have that heart. But as I developed into adulthood and started to be exposed to more aspects of the Bible and of the gospel, my eyes became more and more opened mm. to how God really relates to his people and um, and what he's actually done for me personally and miraculously outside of anything I've ever done for him. Yeah. So when you got baptized at 14, your understanding of it was, this is, this is what saves me. The, like, the act of baptism was what was kind of sealing your fate for eternity, that you know, that was what the act that you needed to do to get God's favor. Um, 
I think so. I okay. mean, you know, it's a little bit complicated and nuanced. I wouldn't, I don't know that I would necessarily say it was the act, but I, okay. I think I would, I would have said that, um, that I think I would have thought that up until the act of baptism, that God would not have saved me, that it wasn't the act that saved me, but, but it was, it was like God saved me, um, uh, contingent on the act. Okay. Okay. So, so he had been waiting up until I was baptized. He, he Your application saved was me. pending. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And then when I was baptized, he, at that point, did save me. Okay. Okay. Now, I still didn't have a lot of the understanding of what it means to be saved that I have now. Sure. So that, that, um, gives me a much greater understanding of what he really did when he saved me, yeah. whenever that was. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I still don't know exactly when that was, um, but I have a couple of ideas. Yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll jump into that in just a second. Okay. I, one final thing, just kind of on that baptism, yeah. the, the part of your story that kind of sticks out a lot from hearing it before, and we've talked about it um, at different times, but I remember you mentioning that when it was, when it was time, you said, I want to believe in Jesus. And if I remember the story correctly, your dad said, okay, let's get in the car and go to the church. They filled up the baptistry and that's when you got baptized then. And, um, like you said, it was kind of, that was when you were a full Christian or, you know, your, uh, <laughs> your salvation application was approved or whatever. But, um, yeah, I, I remember asking you, so what happens if you got into a car accident on the way over to church? Like when you said, Hey dad, I want to get saved. It wasn't okay. Let's, let's talk to God and like, let's confess your sin and accept Christ as your savior. It was, let's get in the car and let's go over to the church and fill up the baptistry. And I, if I remember correctly from our conversation, you're like, yeah, I don't, I don't know what, what exactly would happen, but I don't know if I would have been a, been saved at that point and at least in your understanding of things but um yeah i mean i that was actually a common question that would come up in bible classes from time to time really? so there was a kind of a split down the down the church so even within there, the 10 percent then yeah, yeah okay. even within the 10 percent, there would be even within a, an individual um local church congregation okay. you'll have differences of opinion on that and that would actually come up quite often is if a person dies on the way to be baptized, are they saved or are they lost? And the church would usually be fairly divided. Wow. <laughs> yeah. 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 Um, and the baptistry wasn't filled up for me. It stayed filled up okay. at all times okay. for anybody who wanted to be baptized at any time. And it wasn't that there was no conversation with God. Um, I don't remember if I was prompted or not. I think I probably was, but I also was just praying on my own that... Mm. I did want God to to save me, and I and I wanted to. Um, I asked. I I thanked him for, um, for lavishing maybe or bestowing whatever word I used, um, his mercy on me to allow me to be baptized and enter into his family. So there was there was some understanding mm -hmm. there of of God's. Um, uh, I can't think of the word right now exactly, but of his um, his act action in our lives to okay. to um, bring salvation about. It just wasn't a complete one. Okay. 
Yeah. And I'd love to, and as we go along, I'll get into more of what, what a complete one looks like for me. For sure. Now I for understand sure. it better. Yeah. No, I appreciate you taking some time just to kind of walk through, because I, I did, you know, learning about kind of the Church of Christ and kind of what they believe of kind of, you know, requiring, you know, that act of baptism to complete the salvation. Yeah. Uh, it's like, I, I found that certainly fascinating in your story and just kind of your own perspective as a kid and all that. But yeah. So as you went on, you know, you mentioned the age of 14, getting baptized in the Church of Christ, and then you mentioned 26, kind of having different... What what happened in that that time period to kind of lead you to say, hey, I'm not sure what I have, or, oh, my eyes are open, I, I know I need something else. Oh, man, a lot happened in that time okay. frame. <laughs> not, not just one <laughs> or two things. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, so uh, through college and after college, I... Uh, so I met my, my wife, um, in college and, and she was very, uh, godly, very spiritual person. And, and we kind of connected because we had a strong interest in those types of things. And, um, she and I were both a little bit, uh, on what our church would have considered the, um, the fringe or we were, they would have called us maybe slightly more liberal in our thinking, um, that we didn't. We didn't bite in hook, line, and sinker onto everything that was taught. We we were open to, for example, there being Christians outside of our fellowship. Okay. Um, based on experiences that we'd had, for example, traveling to homeschool conventions my whole life. And for her in school and in Christian camps where there were Christians from other um, sects and uh, denominations and things. And so, and that, that kind of put us in a in a ex- small exclusive camp within the church, non-institutional churches of Christ, just to think that there could be Christians outside of our four walls. So that's unusual. Um, so that, that kind of started both of us for our, our wheels turning a little, a little bit. Then we, um, we get into, we get out of college and we start just reading books, um, watching things talking to people, having conversations with people at work and wherever we are, and realizing that there's a lot of people out there that call themselves Christians that are outside of our fellowship, and they seem to be godly people. And that was a hard thing for us to put in our worldview, because Mm -hmm. that was something that was always um, dismissed or frowned upon to be thinking that way. Um, We started, uh, we weren't sure where to turn with it, and we started watching things like uh, I don't I don't have any idea what the ser- series were called, but there was video series out at the time that presented a very um, what I would now consider to be a very liberal Christianity, very accepting, everyone goes to heaven, love wins kind of thing. Okay, um, and um, that kind of got. I would say at the time, it felt like my eyes were getting open to more christian-ish perspectives on the world and i was entertaining it because i couldn't deny some of these things that i was hearing were true or had some merit to them but i just wasn't sure exactly where to put it i was i was no longer thinking that my group was the only one that was exclusively going to heaven but i really wasn't sure what to do with it beyond that that was probably around age 23 or so age 20 five, I think it was, um, my wife and I got pregnant for the first time. And at, uh, six months or so, we lost the baby to miscarriage. 
and um, it was extreme, extremely difficult and painful for us. Um, and we had all the questions that people have when they go through something like that. Why would God allow this to happen? Uh, why us? Um, does God love us? Does he care? Is he powerful? Things like that. And so um, I just went back to work. I didn't really want to dig into it too much. I didn't want to ask too many questions. I didn't even know what questions to ask. I just wanted to move on. But for her, she took it very differently. She started seeking and searching for answers to some of those questions in places that we never would have looked. Our, where we grew up, there really wasn't... There, I don't feel that they ever really tried to have answers for those questions particularly. And so she was looking for answers wherever she could find them. And so she would start meeting with pastors in our area, um, church leaders, um, reading any church or just specifically. Well, uh, we started to get to, to start looking into some church specific churches in our area. There was a, a non-denominational, um, uh, conservative evangelical church near us where she started meeting with, with a pastor or two to ask some questions. Gotcha. Okay. Um, but even before that, she was reading books by Philip Yancey and, um, N.T. Wright, which I would not recommend <laughs> personally, but but at the time she, it was she helpful was to her. She yeah. was looking. We didn't know where to look, and 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 um, someone recommended some books or something, and so um, so she did that, and and I just watched from afar. You know, I, I wasn't reading books. I wasn't asking the questions. I was just noticing that she was, and she seemed to be getting some level of comfort from it. So I just took a mental note. Well, we ended up changing jobs and moving about an hour and a half away. And uh, when we did, we just, uh, there really wasn't a great um, Church of Christ in the area. And so uh, we looked, I, I said, well, what's it going to hurt to look? What have we got to lose? So we just um, looked all over the internet and looked at all the churches in our area. And we visited eight or 10 of them. And there was one, a particular one, the one I described, that uh, just really stood out to us. So we went and visited. We actually visited all of them, but we, we once we went to that one, I don't think we ever left. And um, it was amazing because they were talking about things like Jesus all the time in the Bible. And it wasn't performancy. And all the things that we'd ever heard about a, a non-Church of Christ church seemed to not be true about this church, that they don't care about the Bible. That wasn't true. That it's all about show and performance entertainment that wasn't true um that uh, that it was all about uh, uh that it wasn't about deep spiritual things and that wasn't true as we as we got to know the people better and as we listened to what they're actually saying um it came abundantly clear that these people were the real deal and so we we stuck around and um we got brought into a, a small group a small group led by the associate pastor and he just took us under his wing and, and discipled us. Um, and they just showed a lot of um, compassion, a as had our, our friends in the Church of Christ. I'm not saying they hadn't, but but they also showed compassion for us and um, and wanted to kind of um, disciple us in understanding God's Word and the Gospel in ways that had never even occurred to us before. And that was kind of the aha moment. So I remember sitting in his living room specifically one night in small group, and we were going through a study called the Gospel-Centered Life. And we're in like 
chapter two, and it's something about adoption into the family of God. And he, there's six, seven, eight couples in the room. He asked me specifically what my thoughts were on this concept. And I just drew a blank. I had no idea what he was talking about. <laughs> I was completely unfamiliar with this concept of adoption into the family of God um, by the Spirit um, through the, the through Christ's sacrifice for us. And um, so I I took a mental note and I went home and I read the chapter again more thoroughly. Probably read it three or four times, and. <laughs> As as I as I read it and I understood it, it's just like I was just blown away. So I went to meet with him again and I said, "So, can you explain this to me?" <laughs> and so through a series of meetings like that, I just started to my eyes started to be open to God's pursuit of us and His His supernatural work in our lives to change our heart to um, justify us by the blood of Christ to adopt us into his family, to give us a new name, and things like that, that I, I'd been reading the Bible my whole life, and I'd never seen or realized that were important. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it just sounded like fluffy stuff to me before, but now it was giving me something tangible to cling to. Wow. That's really cool to think, <laughs> like, you know, God using your job to get you to a place where you had to start searching in a different way and just those seeds that he had been planting in your wife and things. Um, after rereading that and kind of learning all that stuff, I know you mentioned earlier, you don't know if there's an exact moment or something, but when, uh, when did it all kind of click for you? When do you make sense or did you, you know, have some type of rededication or, you know, <laughs> uh, salvation that you can say, yeah, I, that's when I when I believed, or was there any type of circumstances or when you could say, oh, that's when I understood? I mean, during that, say, two or three year period of time that ensued, there was a number of times when it was just, I could just see myself, like everything was an aha moment. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, so, for example, the senior pastor, a different pastor at the same church, was leading a class on Wednesday nights called... Um, uh, what was the class called? Because it's important. Christ is all, and it was based on the book of uh, Colossians. And in Colossians one and two, we read that Christ is all; He is our life, and that um, all all our hopes, all our ability to live and do anything that we do in a in a physical, but especially in a spiritual realm, is totally dependent on Christ. And I'd never heard that before. I always thought it was dependent on us to try to please God, but um, to find out that it was dependent on him and that he empowers it, and he, uh, that and, and, and he, in addition to empowering it, he is also Lord, and he's reigning, and he's coming back. Like, it just, uh, that was just another step in this, um, in my eyes being opened. And, and then a few a few months, year, I don't know how much later I was reading uh, Pilgrim's Progress. Okay. And um, there's a, a scene in there where um, there's a couple of guys. So Pilgrim or Christian 
is on his way to the celestial city. He'd been to the cross and he'd gotten a certificate, a, a seal, um, a parchment, I think they call it. And um, he's on his way. And while he's on the path, a couple of guys hurtle over the wall onto the path. And he says, what are you doing? And they say, we're going to Celestial City. And he says, um, well, you can't just come over the wall like that. And they say, well, why not? We're on the path that you're on. Same path. It gives us the same place. And he says, uh, yeah, but um, have you been by the cross and gotten your parchment? And they say that they haven't. Um, but it doesn't matter. And he says, well, the Lord of the city said that you, he won't let anyone in without this parchment. And um, so um, so they actually continue the journey with him. And when they get to the celestial city, they're turned away um, because they don't have the parchment to present. And the parchment... Um, represents the seal of the Holy Spirit. And that comes to us by way of the cross. And <laughs> uh, when I read that, I was just shocked because I felt like there was ascension in which my whole life um, I had been trying to get to the celestial city um, by other ways than through the cross mm. having received the parchment with the seal of the Holy Spirit and I do remember when I read that that night um, I uh I got down on my knees and I um, I repented. That's really cool. I repented for trying to to um, to reach the celestial city without uh, by by illegitimate means, and um, I wanted to to take the correct route, which was which was through the cross. Yeah. Oh, I appreciate you sharing all of that. Um, that, that story of Pilgrim's progress written hundreds of years ago, if I'm not mistaken, John Bunyan, um, he had a dream and then wrote down his dream, obviously filling in gaps. Cause I don't think he had it word for word, the entire dream, <laughs> but, uh, I think still, a top seller, like second to the Bible, like for years and years. I don't know if it still is to this day, but it's a, an allegory would probably be the best way to describe it yeah. of kind of, uh, it follows one guy named Pilgrim, his plight to kind of find, find truth and then find relief from his burden at the cross. And then, uh, his goal to get to be with God in heaven, they refer to as the celestial, celestial city. And so, um, really cool how um, that story has been used in a variety of ways for anyone listen to this that doesn't know that story definitely a good one to to look into whether you get the abridged version or uh, the full thing so yeah. 
So you did start reading at some point. It wasn't just yeah. your wife, wife reading. <laughs> oh, well, yeah. And once I started reading, I, I haven't stopped since. Okay. Um, <laughs> now now I, I read all the time, but um, it took me a while to, to see the value in it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. So that's really cool to encapsulate kind of what God was doing and, and showing you kind of uh, where he truly is. You know, a lot of, a lot of people forget that like in Proverbs chapter one, it talks about wisdom's crying out of the street corner. Anyone who wants to find it needs to look. If you, you, if you seek me, you will find me if you search with all your heart. And it sounds like that's what God was being very gracious and allowing you to do and to be found um, by your searching, obviously him redeeming you. What, um, since finding truth and having a, uh, a right relationship with God, obviously it's not, you know, super easy and it's not like everything in your life goes well. You, you've maybe foreshadowed a little bit of it earlier with kind of separating from that, you know, exclusive group may have been some of the challenges, but can you tell us, you know, what's been either the biggest or some of the biggest challenges that you've faced since choosing to follow Christ? Yeah. Um, I mean, there's, there's, um, there's a lot of relationships that, have been hurt and um part of that has been i think there's two reasons why i think uh i think for one reason when you leave such a a tight-knit community like that it's almost impossible for the people that are still in it to not feel like it's a personal affront to them that it's like a judgment on them Mm. that you're saying that that they let you down or weren't good enough or something and um the other part of it is i uh have had a tendency to be very vocal um with some of my newfound perspectives on the bible and um i think i've to some extent pushed a little too hard in Mm. certain relationships and I've I've learned to back off and um just just pursue God and um not feel the need to force my faith on other people um but but in the process of learning all that, <laughs> I I did cause a lot of um, a lot of challenges in a lot of my relationships. So family, friends, um, a lot of relationships are very strained or non-existent anymore um, because of all of those reasons I mentioned. Mm-hmm. So that's been really hard. It's been hard for me. It's been maybe harder for my wife. Um, I think just being in such a tight-knit community and then not being in it anymore um she has said it like this she said that i had to decide at one point is jesus enough for me if i have to pick between these people and jesus um which am i going to choose and i have to choose jesus and she has and and that has been the best decision ever um, but it's also caused a lot of strain in a lot of relationships. Um, and so 
we're still working through a lot of that right now. Um, but it's been totally worth it. And whenever go back, I would, I would go back and, and rehab some of those conversations <laughs> in a gentler, <laughs> kinder, gentler tone, maybe. Um, and maybe with a little more patience and, and mercy. Yeah. Um, so it's been a process of, of learning how to handle uh, myself as I feel like I have this this passion to, to get this this word out, uh, this, um, you know, a, a full understanding of the Bible and the gospel. And I'm still learning, but so much fuller than what I had before. And, and I thought everyone's going to want to know everything that I've learned Right, and so I go back and I tell them, and they just don't always see it the same way, <laughs> and <laughs> it's been hard. Yeah. Um, but uh, it's not my job to change people's minds; it's my job to be a witness of what God's done in my life, and so that's that's my new job. Yeah, that verse that says, uh, "Always have an answer ready of the hope that lies with you." It's the the uh, noun there is an answer. It's not a, uh, you know, when someone is asking it, so it's like a response. So being prepared and knowing what you believe, having that answer ready. But, you know, like you said, if the spirit's not working on them, it's going to sound like foolishness. It's going to be uh, frustrating. And especially like, I would imagine like anyone believes what they believe. And sometimes people don't really know what they believe, but like, especially when you know what you believe, like you said, that 10%, you know, that, you know, religious um, perspective where it's like we know what we believe and we don't believe what other people believe and this is why like they have it figured out for that that framework to have someone else come and say well that's not correct or you know that's a i i can understand probably wouldn't be received too well so (laughs) right yeah yeah what would you say is one of the uh the biggest joys that you've experienced um since having a uh true relationship with Christ. Hmm. Hmm. Well, I love um evangelism. I go out and and uh share the gospel with strangers at bus stations or restaurants or or wherever from time to time, shopping centers. Um I love sharing with my kids and with my friends and um whoever will listen, uh, the gospel. I, I love actually reaching out to my friends from the past in the Church of Christ and say, hey, you're not going to believe what I've discovered. It's in the Bible. And I keep nine pages of verses in my Bible now, have for years. Uh, when I when I came to understand how God works in, his, in our lives supernaturally, uh, for us individually, I, I went scoured the Bible looking for these passages, and I just made a collection of them. And I review them. I try to memorize them. It's just I can't read the Bible without seeing them anymore. I never saw them, and now I can't unsee them. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, and so sharing those with with people and being like, and, and a lot of times they're not they they don't realize that those are in there either. And so that's exciting for me. Mm-hmm. Um, teaching Bible class. Uh, I teach a group of middle school and high schoolers at my church. It's an informal study, uh, and I I just asked if I could do it, and they gave me permission. So I do it. On Sundays, we eat donut holes, and we go through, right now we're in the book of John. So we're going through the book of John. I do catechism questions. We do some um, other who am I type of 
games and things and, and we take an hour and 15 minutes on Sunday mornings and just work our way through the Bible and the kids love it and I love it and I just enjoy it. It's because, you know, I feel like one thing that the Church of Christ did really do a good job of was grounding me in a knowledge of the scriptures. Mm-hmm. And I want to get that instilled in the, in my kids and their friends because it's helped me tremendously. Um, as a child, as teenager and as an adult, um, to understand the world and to under and so once I came to a better understanding of the gospel, I didn't lose the Bible knowledge, and now I feel like it all works together to just give me such a confidence and a passion, yeah. and really a thrill. To sh- I just want to share it with everyone. So I I was able to at our church teach um, uh, Bible basics, which is the we went through the Bible in a nutshell, which I put together a single page front and back of the whole storyline of the Bible, explain how everything works together, and then we did a twelve week survey, taking section by section of the Bible and just walking through it, and to and to relate my my Bible knowledge with now my my gospel knowledge, it's like the whole world makes perfect sense now. Yeah, <laughs> and it's just so exciting, and I just want to get that message out to anybody that will that will listen because I find that a lot of people have a gospel knowledge that they struggle with Bible knowledge and. That's a tragedy for me because both of them go hand in hand. It's the Word of God, mm-hmm. uh, and so I, I have I have friends with gospel knowledge without the Bible knowledge, and I got friends with the Bible knowledge without the gospel knowledge. If I could just marry these two together, <laughs> um, it it would go so far in our churches and 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 how we our churches impact the world. And so I have a passion for doing that. I can tell. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. No, and I I can attest to that from firsthand. You know, back when we were living and, you know, communicating more in close range, you know, there were, you know, different times where we'd go out and do things like that. I remember, um, you invited me to, uh, uh, church of Christ that you were still attending from time to time to, uh, try and continue to keep those relationships open. And I Mm -hmm. got exposure to go into a church that I wouldn't have just walked in on my own. And, you know, it was cool to see how you still knew some people and were able to continue the relationship with the hope of, of, you know, through that relationship building to point out, you know, kind of truth and keep that, that, uh, option available. And then, um, there was a, uh, restaurant in town that was, you know, a, a Somali restaurant that, uh, we went to a few different times where we had heard that, uh, or I think I'll give you credit. You had heard that, uh, it was like the second most antagonistic country to the gospel. And, you know, it was just all this stuff. And so we're like, well, there's a restaurant in here. Let's go and see, you know, and we, we did that for a little while. So yeah, I, I can definitely see that, that change in you. And that, like, I didn't know you before, but I can definitely see that desire and um, love for others, even hosting events in your home to uh, help people know how to share their faith or be more uh, forthright with it. So I, I love your desire to learn a lot of our, our class that we had together when we first met, you know, was yeah. a lot of reading and a lot of uh, learning. Um, so yeah, that, that certainly is exciting to see. Yeah, I mean, the way I view it, we have one life to live, and I'd hate to waste it. So I just want to, anytime I can have an opportunity to go and, you know, share what I found with my friends in the Church of Christ or to the Somalis so that they can stop persecuting our brothers over there and, and their nation when they go back, you know, anything like that, I'm I'm just always wanting to take those opportunities to, to try to use um, what God's gifted me with and where he's put me to try to do something to help his kingdom expand. So, yeah. Well... As we wrap things up, if there was uh, one thing that you could share with um, someone listening, like what would you want them to take away? Like what's one thing you'd want them to say, oh, I 
I got that out of his uh, story. What would be yeah. that one thing you'd share with them? Uh, it would be that it's not about me, it's about Jesus. And that's what I, that that was the, really at at the root of everything that, that, um, that changed uh, who I was and gave me a hope and gave me a new passion and um, gave me a, just a, a comfort that's outside of myself, Jesus. And, and that's all I want to point people to. So it's, um, he's done a great work in my life. He's, he's changed me and given me a passion to live for him. Um, but, but that's not because I've done anything particularly special. I've just, um, been amazed to find out, uh, the intensity of what he's done for me personally. And so if, if I could leave anyone watching this with, with, with one message, it would be, it's all about Jesus and, and make your life be centered on him, just him, not, Mm -hmm. not your religion, not your obedience, um, not anything other than, than Jesus and, and he will change your life. Great. Well, thank you for, for taking the time to share. Um, you made it through with having to get up and walk around uh, before yes. we started recording. He said, ah, what if I start crying? Do I, can I walk off stage? So as much yeah. editing as I do, I don't do a ton of editing, but I didn't have to edit out that. So yes, <laughs> I'm glad. <laughs> uh, well, thanks again for, for joining and sharing your story with us. Thank you for the opportunity. Over the years, I've appreciated Aaron's sensitive spirit to the things of God, and I'm thankful that showed through when telling his story today. His story reminds me of God's promise found in the book of Jeremiah, where God says, You will seek me and find me when you search for me with all your heart. Despite sincerely believing something untrue for the early part of his life, Aaron's pursuit of truth was rewarded with finding peace with God once he realized he could do nothing to earn right standing on his own merits, but instead chose to trust Christ alone for salvation. Peace with God is also available to you today if you receive God's free gift of salvation by calling on the name of Jesus. If you have more questions about this, feel free to reach out to me directly by going to T-Wear Productions. I'd love to discuss this with you further. Next week, I sit down with Debbie Grady to hear her story of redemption. So be sure you're following the podcast and subscribed on YouTube to hear future episodes. And don't forget to share this episode with others. See you next time on Redemption Report. Redemption Report.